reading this morning is Psalm 73. Sorry, I had the wrong one. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives, and their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe, them, clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil, and in their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? What does the, does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, You will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. What must have seemed like a senseless animal to you? Yet still I belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord, my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Amen. Thank you, Ashley, for reading that psalm so well. Psalm 73. You know, uh, reality TV shows really don't portray much about reality, do they? Yes, no? They're supposed to portray reality, but how many of us are jumping off buildings or racing across Canada 
or eating worms or having some perfect stranger come in and buy us a new wardrobe or renovate our house for free. And there's a whole plague of reality TV shows that are even worse than that. One of the first reality TV shows, um, I, boy, I hope you do not remember this TV show, is called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. It ran from 1985 to 1994, according to my research, and it was hosted by the most obnoxious, oily character named Robin Leach, who would uh, sign off saying, wishing everyone caviar wishes, no, champagne wishes and caviar dreams or something like that. And it just, all it did was fuel envy. You know, because it would show you this glamorous, wealthy person or celebrity that probably you really wouldn't even want to talk to, to be honest. But there's this fabulous, gorgeous, palatial lifestyle and opulence. And it was just, all it did really was incite envy in people. What we're talking about this morning is uh, an invasive species in the human heart that some people call poison envy. Poison ivy is bad news. because Who here has ever encountered poison ivy? Anybody here? And yet, still scratching, aren't you? Yeah, still scratching. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about poison envy. And, and the author of this psalm, Asaph, was a worship leader in David's time. He wrote several of the psalms. And uh, what he was struggling with was poison envy. And it was eating him up. So um, Ashley read the psalm really well this morning. So we're not going to reread it. But we're going to go through some highlights and just examine uh, these, these psalms these songs of worship that are in the Bible are universal. And if you've ever encountered poison envy, uh, it's not a new thing. Because Psalm 73 was written about 1,000 B.C. And you'll see, as Solomon said, there really is nothing new under the sun. The psalm starts off, John, you're going to have to help me out with this remote if you don't mind Next slide. Can we do that? Here, there we go. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Okay, that's his starting point. Now, I have a math and science background, so I think in graphs. I don't know if you think like that, but I think because I spent so much time of my university career drawing them and making them fit onto a page. I just, I just think like that. So if you could graph the emotional level of the, the author of this psalm, he starts out at a fairly high level. And this is his conclusion, his starting point. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. That's, what, that's where he's starting from, okay? But... Verse 2, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud and I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. And he's teetering on the edge and all of a sudden he plummets down because he starts looking around. And you know what? He's not looking at the 
quote-unquote godless Gentiles, Asaph is a worship leader, and so he would see people come in regularly for worship. And I think as he was surveying the crowd, he would notice some people that were in temple worshiping, but their lifestyle wasn't matching up with their practice. And he noticed, and he knew stories, and he knew people, and he knew that some people were getting rich by ripping off the poor and taking advantage of them. And he said, this is unjust. And he grew very envious of these people who were wicked and prospering through illegal and illicit and basically sinful means. He was really struggling with this. And this was causing him severe spiritual difficulty. So here was his problem. Poison envy. Comparison kills joy. And he was comparing himself to these people. Because on the outside, everything looked good. They had no problems. They had no issues at all. The problem with looking at outside appearances. Now, we know this when we are in our right mind. How many people are in the right mind today? Uh, maybe after a cup of coffee, coffee, I'm okay. Anyway, when we are in our right minds, we know this. We know that outside appearances tell us very little about what's really going on inside a person. But when we're vulnerable, when we're a little or a lot off balance, when we're out of kilter, when we're not properly centered, we start perceiving reality like it's totally different. And our, and our, it's like our, um, we're just kind of out of focus, you know, and we can't see things clearly. We don't have a proper perspective on life. And we think that what is outside a person really counts, right? But outside appearances tell us very little about what's really going on inside a person. So it's easy for us to judge other people and to evaluate ourselves and compare, compare and despair when we look at the lives of other people and what they have. It's really challenging. When Luann and I were first married, we lived in a humble uh, one-bedroom apartment in downtown Hamilton. It was in the edge, just the fringe of kind of the trendy part of town. And I remember as I would... um, try to concentrate reading the Bible every morning, sitting at the kitchen table, I would look out our kitchen window and I'd see in the parking lot next to me this gorgeous white Porsche. Nice looking car. And right next to it was this really sporty white Mazda RX-7. They were owned respectively by a guy named Shik Patel, who was a stockbroker. I'll tell you a bit about him later. And the lady, we never knew her name. We just call her the pink lady, the balloon lady, because she always wore pink and she had a balloon business and was always delivering uh, balloons. I don't know how she ever got them in that little Mazda sports car, but she did. And they were a couple, apparently. And every morning when I was trying to concentrate and be godly and connect with God, I look up my window and go, Now we had a car and it worked almost all the time, and it was great, okay? And it was better than walking, but I really liked those vehicles, and I was prone to envy, and I really struggled with poison envy. It was hard to maintain perspective, because here I am training for the rich, lucrative career of being a pastor, and 
I was looking out the window at and envying what these other people had. So it's pretty challenging. Then I read Psalm 73, and it helped. Didn't cure me totally, because poison envy is an invasive species, and it tends to creep back into the garden of your spirit every once in a while, and they've got to root it out. But this morning, because you're all spiritual people, you probably never encountered poison envy. But in case you have a friend who's inclined to be envious of other people, you'll appreciate this message. So just remember that outside appearances tell us very little about what's really going on inside a person. What the psalmist struggles with, he looks at the apparent success of the wicked, and they don't have any problems. You notice how he's exaggerating. They never get sick. They don't have any problems, blah, 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 blah. They have it so easy. Then he starts asking himself, now, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Really? I mean, there are some of us, every morning does bring us pain, but he's just starting to scratch it and just hear this tiny violin playing for the psalmist. But it's easy for us to go over into self-pity when we lose perspective, right? And you start wondering, is it really worthwhile following God and trying to keep his commandments? I mean, these guys are blatantly uh, breaking them and they seem to be getting ahead. Is it really worthwhile following God? So if we're charting the emotional state of our author here, he started off saying, hey, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And then all of a sudden he's slipping, slipping, slipping and he's questioning, is it even worthwhile following God? And he kind of hits bottom and he said, if, now this is a very important if, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Praise God, the psalmist has the wisdom to keep his mouth shut. It's good for us to be honest. It's good for us to share our feelings, but we need to pick our spots. Luann and I have a dear friend that we love dearly, but this woman has never had an unexpressed thought. Hey, I thought something. I'm going to share it with you. Uh, No, thank you. Too much information. Or maybe you should filter that. Maybe you should think about what you say before you impulsively blurt it out. And she's gotten a lot better at that. But it wreaked a lot of havoc in friendships and relationships. So just be careful with those unexpressed thoughts. In this situation, the psalmist says, you know, if I had really been said everything I was feeling, I, I would have done immeasurable damage to God's people. Because I would have gone around complaining, saying, you know what? Following Jesus isn't worth it. Following God is a waste of time. All these evil people are prospering, and we're getting the shaft. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. Of course, life is not fair. But God is a just God. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But if we share everything, everything that we're thinking without filtering it and processing it properly, we can do a lot of damage. And unfortunately, we can't take words back, can we? Oh, man. 
I've said a lot of things and done a lot of things. I wish I could just press the rewind button on. But life doesn't work this way. So fortunately, he is self-aware enough to say, wow, if I had expressed all these frustrations, uh, I would have been a traitor. I would have let the team down. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. So he wrestled with this in his spirit, and he wrestled with God. But I appreciate his honesty. What a difficult task it is. It really bugs me to see people oppressed and picked on and, and, and evil people seemingly, almost literally, get away with murder. And I'm saying, come on, someone catch up to these guys. Why should these rotters get away with what they're doing? So the psalmist was very honest in his feelings. And I think our graph is just about hit bottom. He says, what a difficult task it is to understand. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do they get away with this stuff? Then, here's where the whole story pivots. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Now, what does Asaph mean? when he says, then I went into your sanctuary. Now, he physically may have entered the temple, you know. So, boy, I hope you get a good feeling every time you walk here on a Sunday morning. I don't know. But this whole idea of entering into the sanctuary is just trying to, just connecting with God. Maybe your sanctuary is somewhere else. Maybe it's your backyard. Maybe you have a quiet place at home. Maybe it's in nature. I don't know. But where your sanctuary is, where you connect with God, when the author of the song connected with God and made that connection, he's like, ah, now I get it. He had that eternal perspective, and he got the big picture, the truly big picture. Not the reality TV show picture, because reality TV, as we know, is not about reality. It's about entertainment and TV ratings and things like that. Then I went into your sanctuary. Then I entered your presence and I connected with you. Then I understood the destiny of the wicked. He had to get recalibrated. How many people have taken their vehicles in this year to get the wheel alignment straightened out it's just part of the privilege of living in Winnipeg with our potholes, right? We drive through these potholes and get bounced around, and before we know it, our, our cars are literally kind of bent out of shape and they don't drive properly. The psalmist was spiritually bent out of shape, and he needed to go in for a spiritual alignment and be reminded, okay, Who's, in, who's ultimately in charge of life? Who calls the shots? And in the long run, who's in charge of things? Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Asaph tried to figure it out on his own, and he couldn't figure out how to... He tried to prevent the spread of... of poison envy in his community, but he didn't know how to figure it out himself. I think that he needed a place to get perspective on what was really important. And he found a way to connect with God. I think that God connects with us best 
when we don't put any preconditions on our relationship. When we say, okay, God, I will do your will if you come through for me. If you, I'll, sure, I'll do your will if, you, if it goes along with what I want. God, God doesn't deal with those, those kind of conditions. So this sanctuary may or may not be a, a literal building for you. It may be in nature, maybe somewhere else. But we need to get, create this spiritual space where we can connect with God and be reminded of what's really important in life. And here's what the psalmist rediscovered. He says, truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. Now, remember what the psalmist said in, in verse 2? My feet were slipping. I was literally, I was losing my grip on spiritual reality. I was losing my footing. I was, I was off kilter. I said, you know what? Actually, God, I understand now that actually you are putting them on a slippery slope. And it's them who are in a tenuous position, not me. Because I find my security in you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. When you walk with a small child across a busy street, like Portage Avenue out here, it's really cute how kids, babies, have this instinctive response. You ever do this? You extend your pinky finger and, little, and little kids will go like this. And it's really cute. Uh, you might think they like you. It's really just a natural response. But don't, don't take it personally. It's just a reflex. Uh, you can get almost any baby to do this to you. And then, then, of course, they'll try to eat it or something. But um, that's not the way to lead a kid across Portage Avenue, is it? Right? That's why I love what the psalmist said, you hold my hand. Because it's one thing for us, for a little child, to tenuously hang on to an, an adult's pinky finger, and it's kind of cute, and you're toddling around. Maybe you let them toddle like that right here on the floor. But if you're crossing a busy street, if you're a responsible adult, who's doing the holding? You're hanging on to that kid's hand, right? You've got a, a death grip on those little digits, and you're going to get them across traffic safely. And that's what the psalmist says. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. So who's doing the holding here? Think about it. Simple concept but it'll change the way you sleep at night if you pay attention to this verse. This could get you the first good night's sleep in weeks if you pay attention to this verse. Who is holding who? God is holding us. So if you're fussing and fretting about your circumstances in life, if poison envy is eating you up, you get into the sanctuary, you connect with God and say, God, Give me back that eternal perspective on what's really important, on who's calling the shots, and you hold my right hand. Sean, I think we're struggling there. Can we give you the next slide? Thank you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. And now, our graph up is back up to where it was in the beginning, perhaps even higher. 
because the author has gone through this hard time, this slippery slope. Surely God is good to, to Israel. He's awesome. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Then he encounters poison envy and it drags him down to the pit until the point where he has to reconnect with God and saying, God, can you remind me again? Can you give me that eternal perspective on what's really important? And he gets that perspective and understands, okay, surely you put him on a slippery slope and I need that eternal perspective. And you get it back and you realize, oh yeah, God's holding me. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will tell everything about the wonderful things you do. I met the owner of that white Porsche a few weeks after I started lusting after his vehicle. <laughs> Luann and I actually had a, a very modest amount of money, and we thought it would be really brilliant to invest in the, this newfangled thing called a registered retirement savings plan. So even though you know I was in school and she was working, um, we had a little bit of money. We thought it might be a good idea to invest it. So who was our investor? But the, the guy we talked to, our consultant, but Shik Patel. Shik, his name should have been Slick because he was draped in gold jewelry. I know it was the 80s, but it was over the top. Like he just oozed gold. He could have gone into those, one of those commercials that we see on TV and just been worth a gazillion dollars. And he was very smooth. He was, he was good. He was a good investment broker. But I remember having a conversation with him. Um, we had a couple of meetings with him. In the follow-up meeting, I just prayed about talking to him. And he said, so, Shik, what are you going to do after you retire? Oh, I'm going to retire early, and I'm going to travel the world, and I'm going to do this and that and this and that. Oh, and so what are you going to do after that? What do you mean? Well, what happens to you after you die? The room went really quiet. <laughs> I mean, he probably didn't have very many clients asking that question now because he was interested in their retirement plans, not they weren't asking him about his. And he didn't really have a good answer for that. So I just kind of left him a New Testament and said, you might want to check this out. But that conversation was helpful for me. Not that I was trying to make him feel bad for not having an ultimate retirement plan, but it gave me some perspective on life. It's so easy for us to look on the outside and look at what other people have and to be envious of that. And we lose our connection with God the Father and we forget what's really important in life. And we get consumed by poison envy and we forget. But as for me, as for Rick Hill, it's good to be near God. It's good. And I've made the Sovereign Lord my shelter. When I was reading this morning, I was thinking about, we have uh, one of our kids is camping out at um, Birds Hill Park this week at the Folk Festival with a bunch of friends. And I'm a little curious about how their shelter is working out with all this rain and, and, and stuff they've had. And I was thinking this word shelter is a pretty powerful word. The Sovereign Lord is my shelter. I hope he's your shelter too. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. So friends, I don't know if you suffer from poison envy. Maybe it's not a problem at all. If so, I'll be waiting for your book. <laughs> if it is, if you struggle with poison envy sometimes, 
I hope this is an encouragement to you to just keep perspective. To ask God for the big picture and have him remind you of what's really important. And then we will tell everyone about the wonderful things he does. The song that I've asked uh, Kim to uh, close us off with this morning is one of my favorite recent worship songs. Come on up and get ready, guys. Um, Blessed Be Your Name. It's actually, I don't know how many of you have actually planned your funeral yet, but it's going to be sung at my funeral. Not that I'm planning it, uh, and I hope you're not planning my funeral either. But um, what I like about this song, it says, you know what? It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. God is awesome. God God rocks. He's worthy to be praised when things are going well and when things are in the toilet. It really doesn't matter because I'll praise God anyway. You cannot defeat a person with that attitude. And it's not that you're wearing rose-colored glasses or you're out of touch with reality. It's funny how those reality TV shows are really out of touch with your reality. I'm into reality. I'm into the God who protects me, the sovereign Lord who watches over me and my family and our church and his family who watches over the world. That's ultimate reality. We can put our trust in him. Do not let poison envy consume you because it's a lie of Satan. Okay, so who's holding who? What? God is holding us. All right? Remember that. Holy Spirit, impress that on our hearts. Help us to remember it all week and especially in the middle of the night.